Um, this morning, our scripture reading will come from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and that can be found in your pew Bibles on page 682. Again, um, our scripture reading is Matthew 4, 1 through 11, um, in the pew Bibles on page 682. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. May God bless the reading of his word. So glad to uh, join the English worship service and... uh, I always like to be closer to the congregation, but I don't know whether it may work. So I'm going to ask you one more time. Megan has asked some of you already. Can you all move forward? And I'm going to use my uh, remote control, and I'm going to be downstairs, so we'll be closer to you. Okay? So we meet each one halfway. So I'm going to come down, and you're going to move up. Thank you. Please. I think the remote kind of works. All right. And especially I enjoy having the uh, junior high with us. And, uh, and for junior high, the, the best learning is always interactive. And actually, it's true to, uh, for all adults as well, but in particular for the junior high. So my first question is kind of like a riddle. Uh, what is the most detested Four-letter word. Now, don't say it out loud, <laughs> because I don't know what you're going to say, all right? But think through it. If you think that saying that four-letter word out does not cause any embarrassment, then you can say it. What is the most detested four-letter word? Anyone? Snow. Snow. Okay, I like that answer. <laughs> all right. Can we get it? Ah, there we go. (laughs) 
All right, I think you deserve a candy afterwards, all right? <laughs> so in the Northeast, we have been having so much snow, and snow has now been uh, considered as uh, become a four-letter word around here. What is another four-letter word that people detest? Yes, evil. Yeah, okay, that's a good word. Okay, but again, you, know, you could have a lot of right answers, but i am see if you can find out the one that I have in mind. Uh, this one sometimes is uh, said by a, a well-known president. Uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So Franklin Roosevelt said it. The four-letter word that people detest the most or fear the most is fear. That was during the Great Depression. People did not have money, and people were afraid to spend money. And because when people are afraid to spend money, nobody gets any business, and everybody gets poor. So we are somewhat in a similar situation. We don't call it the Great Depression. Now we're kind of slowly climbing up the economy. I don't fully understand economics. As Chinese, we are learned to save money, always save money. But if everybody saves, the economy will go, go down. So we need to spend money and spend it the right amount. And that's the difficult part. Okay, so another four-letter word is fear. How about another one? This one will be hard for you to guess. I was surprised. I look up the web, especially Boston Globe, uh, dot com, and this is what I got. The most dangerous four-letter word. If you read on and so on and so forth, at the very bottom line, can you read it? What is the four-letter word? Them. T-H-E-M. I was surprised to read it. And basically, the article talks about that because of the political, economic, and sociological conflict that we are dividing between us and them. The article is actually uh, in the town of Newton uh, two weeks ago. And they are trying to take down that divide. So them is another detested four-letter word we try to remove or become uh, one with us. But the final one, what is the most detested four-letter word? This is the last one. And I just said it. What is the four-letter word? I'll say it one more time. Test. Thank you. Detested and test. All right. So if you are like this little boy facing a test, you might faint out, or whatever. A few weeks ago, there was a uh, college student who wrote me, and she said, uh, Pastor King Fai, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. I said, what, what happened? And she said, uh, I was facing a test, math test, and, you know, I prepare, but I kind of freak out. 
slept late and then I didn't get up on time, rushed to the uh, exam hall, by that time I was already half an hour late. So she was freaked out, basically. And she rushed down and get to her seat and then started taking the test. And then she find out that she, need, she needed some scrap paper. She raised her hand. Somehow the professor didn't see her. Right at that moment, she said, I'm not going to wait anymore. She happened to have a white sheet of paper in her pocket. A blank white sheet of paper. So she took it out as a scrap paper. Shortly after she took it out, the professor walked by. What's that paper? And in her quick reaction, she quickly took the paper and put it back in her pocket. And the, and the professor asked for the paper, and she refused to give it to the professor. And of course, the professor asked her to go out, leave the exam room, wrote up a report, and she said that uh, now I might be under school discipline with a possibility of being kicked out of the school because of cheating. And that's what the professor accused her of. And she said, Pastor King Fai, can you vouch for me? Now, I've visited the family. I've known her. My wife and I had a chance to take her and a few college students out for meal. And so I kind of know her. She is very smart. But perhaps at that moment, she just lost it. And so I said, yes, I'll be glad to write, uh, vouch for you. Uh, but send me all the relevant documents. So she actually sent me the professor's accusation and also sent me her response. And then I was asked to write, to vouch for her. I read it, read both of the uh, documents, and I said, she stands no chance. Because in her document, she was basically defending herself. I won't go into detail, but basically, denial, denial, denial. What happened was not exactly what the professor said. Blah, 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 blah. But I couldn't say much, so I did my best, write the best letter, but honest letter, and sent it to her. Actually, I sent it to her, um, uh, maybe Dean or somebody, I don't remember now. Praying for the best for her. A couple of weeks later, well, maybe probably a, a week or so later, I saw her parents. Her parents came and talked to me, thanking me to help her. 
and I felt appropriate to mention to the parents. I said, perhaps, perhaps your daughter should use milder words in her own defense. But it was not for me to say it. So I just planted that thought in the parent's head. A couple of days later, the girl emailed me. And she said, Pastor King Fai, was I being too strong in my defense? And that opened up an opportunity for me to kind of tell her. I said, you might want to consider a more biblical way, a more Christian way to handle it. Admit to what is clearly wrong in your mind, what you have intentionally or unintentionally done, and clearly, vehemently deny, defend for what you have not done. Honesty and humility. So with two short sentences, I sent an email back to her. I wasn't sure how she would respond to it. And then a day later, she wrote back, Pastor King Fai, thank you so much. I know exactly what I should do. Now, I didn't know how she changed her letter or appeal or whatever. A week later, she wrote me. She said, they now have a verdict. And if only I will retake the test and do all the course requirements, they are willing to, instead of giving her an F and kick her out of the school, they are willing to give her a passing grade of C. And also, if she does what the school requires, what happened will be scratched off from her record. And I said, you have the best possible verdict that you can ever ask for. And she was so happy, and the parents were so happy. I think she learned in that test not only the math part, but also how to deal with life. And not only she made it through this particular crisis, but I hope what she learned will be also useful in the future, in the long run, in her character. And I think this is what Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, is all about. The test. Some people call it the temptation of Jesus. That's an appropriate word because that word is used in the text itself, especially verse 1. But I will justify 
why I prefer the word test rather than temptation. In this passage, we break it down. There are five or three main sections. The first one is a prelude or an introduction, basically setting up the background of the test. And then between verses 2 to 10 is the test itself. And there are three parts, A, B, and C. And finally, that's the conclusion, or there is the postscript of this test. So verse 1, may I ask you to read with me all together. Everyone, ready, go. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now there are a number of things we can pick out. The obvious things, number one is, the first word then, what happened just before Matthew 4? Can anyone tell me? What happened just before Matthew 4? No one. Matthew 3, of course, yes. What, hap- what is in Matthew 3? Um, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Okay, Jesus was baptized. And if you will, this is the highlight of a Christian experience. And in fact, not only it is a baptism, it is the baptism when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And a voice from heaven saying that, this is my beloved son. You can't get a higher spiritual experience than that. But right after the high spiritual experience comes the test. And this often is the case. Secondly, it took place in the wilderness. And of course, in the land of Palestine, there are a lot of wildernesses. The one most likely took place uh, is near Jerusalem, between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. And the place is called Jesimon. And the Hebrew word has a meaning of devastation. Now, I don't know why Jesus picked that particular place to go. Or did he go willingly? What do you think? Did he go willingly? Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. By the devil. It is not clear in this passage here whether Jesus went there willingly. Being led by somebody else, in this case the Holy Spirit, may or may not mean the person goes there willingly. But in this case here, he was led to be tempted, and few people would want to be led to be tempted. In fact, Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer, we were taught to pray. Jesus taught us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
And here Jesus was led to be tempted by the devil. Now, is it tempted or tested? That's the key word. In the original language, uh, pirazzo, it could mean both. In fact, in James chapter 1, the same word is used six times. Translated five times as tempt or temptation, but once as trial. And then a similar word was used, uh, test, the third line on the, the first word, test, this is a different Greek word, but basically James is using the word test, another word, as a substitute for trial. To make a long story short, theologian conclude, depend on the context, you will translate it to a different word. When the purpose is good, is to build up character, then it should be translated as a test or a trial. But if the purpose is to lead to sin, then it should be translated as tempt. So James is very careful using these words, and then uh, translators very carefully translated the word peirazzo, sometimes as tempted, sometimes as trial. What we can say is, from the devil's point of view, it is a temptation. He is trying to make Jesus fall. But from God, the Father's point of view, he is going to show Jesus' true character. The very first Adam in the Garden of, in the Garden of Eden, he went through a test, he failed. He took that apple or that fruit, he ate, and he died, separated from God. And Jesus, being the second Adam, has to go through a similar test from God's eye in order that to show Jesus is a totally different character from Adam. Through sin, through one man, sin came into the world. And through the second Adam, grace came upon us. So without the temptation, without this test, God's grace will not come upon us. And of course, this test is a prelude to what takes place uh, three years later uh, on Calvary. So here Jesus fasted for 40 days, 40 nights, and he was hungry. And then uh, the devil said, "If if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Satan was addressing to Jesus' physical needs and turned stone into bread so that he can eat them. And Jesus said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't know whether you like to make bread 
my younger daughter came, came home after uh, 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 graduation. And since then, our home electricity bill has been shooting up. Because she likes to cook, she likes to use the oven, she likes to bake. And I willingly pay the higher bill, and because many people enjoy her bakery, and I myself included, especially the bread. She can turn flour into bread. But I'm not sure whether she can turn stone into bread. But I know I can turn bread into stone. Many people like to watch the Iron Chef. Basically, is to turn from some raw material ingredients into very delicious food. It's amazing what people can do. And when my children were home, uh, one time, uh, several nights, they were watching uh, the Junior Iron Chef. Have you watched that Junior Iron Chef? People, oh, some of you have. Junior Master Chef, thank you very much. It's not quite the Iron Chef, it's the Master Chef. Do you enjoy watching it? It was amazing. People like 10-year-old, 12-year-old, they cook so well. Amazing. But there was one episode that I watched with my children, my family, and then they were down to four contestants, and then one of them, he was so good, he cooked chicken drumstick, but he underestimated the cooking time. So it was very presentable, and then when the judge started slicing off the meat, it's red. And the judge said, sorry, you will have to go. Because you should have picked other chicken parts for the cooking, given the time that you have. But you failed the test. And the boy was in tears. And to my family's eyes, he was probably the best cook among the four, the remaining four. But he kicked out because perhaps inexperience or perhaps because of arrogance. We can all see arrogance in this little boy's eye and his attitude. Jesus, if anyone could be arrogant, it should be Jesus. He is the Son of God. But with humility, he said, answering the devil, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. Something to remember when we have to deal with temptation or tests. The second one, basically the devil took him up to the top of the temple and then said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For the scripture says that he will command his angels concerning you and he will lift you up in their hands and will not strike your foot against a stone. Again, playing the word stone the second time. But Jesus said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God 
to the test. It is okay for me to go through the test, but we should never test God. Now the devil, of course, was suggesting to Jesus, you came here with a mission, and your mission is that you just get baptized, God declared that you are my beloved son. You want to tell the people that you are the son of God, you are the savior. What is the better way for you to jump down so that the world can see you? Wow! And they will believe that you are the son of God. Just a year and three months ago, there was a skydiver, Felix Baumgartner, and he jumped up, he, he went up 24 miles above the earth, and then he jumped down. 844 miles per hour at the fastest speed without opening his parachute. And later on, after he opened up and then he slowly, slave, safely landed. How many watch that on TV? Some of you, okay. When I read about the news, it was Sunday afternoon after service, I went home, I, my eyes were nailed on the TV. Thinking, could he make it? The TV station, that was live, but they purposely delayed a few seconds, just in case something happened they will shut it off. So nobody has any clue whether he will make it. Probably he would because he did two trials ahead of time, months ago, but not as high. But he made it. And in fact, it involved NASA and all the team to help him with that jump. He became a very household name afterwards, but a year later... Probably not too many people remember him. I think if Jesus were to jump down from the temple, he would not make any better than Felix. People may remember him right then. Wow! But after three months, after a year, people will forget about it. And if people still follow him, people will look for jumping higher, from higher place. Greater experience. But this experience will not take you anywhere. Jesus knew. But rather, we should not put God to the test. Finally, Satan took Jesus a very high mountain and showed him the kingdom of the world and their splendor. And he said, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Oh, was this a delay? All right, we skipped that picture. Uh, did you see that picture? It was the world they, that, uh, that uh, Satan showed uh, Jesus. Did you recognize where that place is? That was Hong Kong. Okay, wow, okay. That was a beautiful Hong Kong harbor, nice scene. I think I check out New York City, I check out other places. I think still Hong Kong is the most beautiful place. 
And I don't know what Satan showed Jesus, maybe something better than Hong Kong. But Jesus, but Satan said, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Basically, Satan is offering a shortcut. Jesus' mission, not only to present himself as the Son of God, but most of all, is to bring God's people to God. And Satan said, I'll give you all these. Everything. Oops. But Jesus said, you should only worship me, worship God alone. So with that, Satan left him, and angels came and attended to him. It was a happy ending. Jesus passed the test, or aced the test. And as a result, Satan left, and angels came and served him. John Piper He said that sin gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be happier if I follow it. So oftentimes temptation comes is to fulfill our own desire and there is no greater desire than personal happiness. It is even built into our country's constitution. It is our right to seek after happiness. While seeking after happiness is not wrong, but purely seeking after personal happiness will certainly lead to damnation. John Piper continued to say, the power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me Happier. So when we watch out for temptation, when we want to pass the test, keep in mind, is this solely so that I can be happy? Or do I have a higher purpose? Who is this person? I did not put the name down. Benjamin Franklin. You can see it on your money bill. Benjamin Franklin said that it is easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follow it. Don't think that I'm going to just do it once and that will be it. I won't do it again. You can't stop. Just like taking drug. Once you take the first sniff, you would want to try the second one thinking that I can stop after the second one. You can't. Marijuana, marijuana, opium, drug. It is easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follow it. Henry Nouwen, in his book, In the Name of Jesus, He mentioned about, especially as Christian leaders, there is temptation to be relevant, there is temptation to be spectacular, and there is temptation to be powerful. 
For those who do not know him, Henry Nouwen used to be a professor at Notre Dame, at Yale, and also at Harvard. After 20 years of teaching, he decided to quit. And he went up to Canada to work among handicapped children. He is one of my heroes. In this book, he mentioned about these three temptations. Now, these three things mentioned are good things. They are not bad things. The first one, the temptation to be relevant, to do things, show things, prove things, build things that demonstrate the ability to make a difference in people's life. Wow. What's wrong with that? Be relevant. Make a difference in people's life. But sometimes, that could be a temptation for Christian leaders which lead to our fall. Second one, temptation to be spectacular. He said to do something that will win great applause and popularity. Who doesn't want to be liked, to be loved, to be popular? Third, the temptation to be powerful, to use political, economic, spiritual, and even military might as instruments for establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth. We want to spread the gospel. We want to use every means to spread the gospel. But there are some means maybe inappropriate. Perhaps China, to this day, suffer from it. The 19th century, Westerners want to evangelize China. China closed the door. And so missionaries, mission organizations, seeing that Britain, France, Germany, they attack China, and after defeating China, now they are forced to op- China is forced to open up its ports for trade. And missionary came to China through that means. And to this day, many Chinese, especially politicians and intellectuals, they would say Christianity is evil because they came through military might. These three that Henry Nouwen mentioned correspond to the three tests that Jesus had. Turning stone into bread is to be relevant. For Jesus, he was hungry. And in fact, Jesus later on turned five loaves and two uh, fish to feed 5,000 people. He turned water into wine, but at the right occasion, not for self-happiness fulfillment, to be spectacular. Jumping down from high up, it will be spectacular. Jesus never jumped, at least not uh, recorded in the scripture, but he did walk on water. Sometimes Jesus did some spectacular things, but with a purpose, not self-serving. Finally, to be powerful, correspond to Satan asking him to worship him so that he can have it all. But Jesus turned it down as well. My last illustration, 
Daniel Kahneman. Some of you, if you don't recognize the name, he is one of the Nobel Prize winners in economics. A number of years ago, he wrote this book called Thinking Fast and Slow. He talked about in the human mind, there are two systems. One responds very quickly. The other one takes slow time to do. One of the examples he used, if I ask you, what is 5 plus 7? What's the answer? 12. You can tell me right away. But if I ask you, what is 255 times 254? Now, if you are good, you can slowly calculate and tell me the answer. Because one, we already have kind of the mechanism. This is in our fast thinking system. The other one needs us to draw from our slow thinking system. Now, this is the next part is what is very interesting. He said, if we need to use our slow thinking system, we have to pause our other activities. Now, the best question I asked you, the second one was kind of very hard. But if I were to ask you, what is 12 times 24? Now, some of you be able to answer me. Okay? Now, let's say if you're running, and then somebody asks you, what is 12 times 24? Most people would have the, oh, let me think. You have to stop running. And then start thinking a little bit. And then come up with the answer. 288. Meaning that when you are drawing from your slow thinking system, some other activity have to stop. Vice versa, if your life is very busy, you cannot draw from the slow thinking system. And oftentimes, the fast thinking system will give you the wrong answer. Just like the girl I mentioned, when the professor challenged her, the first reaction is she took the paper away. But if she thinks through it, she recognizes that this is the wrong thing to do. She should have submitted that paper, apologized, etc., etc., etc. So what we need to do in order to overcome temptation is to train up our fast thinking system so that some of the response come naturally. And how do we do it? Your word is a lamb for my feet and a light on my path. Jesus did it. The three times the devil tempted him, immediately he quoted from Deuteronomy. And he drove the devil away. And this is how we can turn temptation, which try to make a sin, into a test which will prove our character. And I hope when we face tests, we don't have to sweat. We prepare well. We can ace them all. And most of all, show our character. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage.
Jesus went through the temptation from the devil, but it is a test of God. And through this test, Jesus showed that he is indeed the Son of God. Help us as children of God. We can also be prepared for the test in front of us, and we will ace them all. To your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.